name of the sermon is called Wonderfully Made. Uh, we'll be in Psalm chapter 139. Uh, it's a familiar passage of Scripture, but I'm going to give you a heads up right now. The whole point of this sermon is a reframing of how we relate to our bodies as Christians. I'm saying that on purpose because we don't often talk about this um, in its fullness, but as believers, many of us have been taught to not actually like our human bodies. Um, and I'm not just talking about our physique. I'm not just talking about how we age. Listen, I'm 37, and I like the grays coming in, but I don't like the knees. <laughs> <laughs> not being as quick as I want them to be. Like I have to like keep doing squats just so I can stay ready, right? <laughs> uh, recovery takes longer than it used to. Those of you who are under 25, hold on to it. You, I'm, I'm saying that for real. Don't, don't take that for granted. <laughs> Because I hit 27 and all of a sudden it's still, like it was very different. <laughs> I'm not just talking about that part of not actually liking our bodies. We are taught in terms of Christian faith that our bodies are something that is like a temporary meat sack for your soul. <laughs> I mean, it's basically like how we like, it's like, it's just like, you know, you're trying to open the ramen noodle package and you just throw away the packaging. It's really, I just wanted the noodles. <laughs> or whatever your favorite packaged meal is. That's not how Scripture talks about our bodies. And I want to reframe how we think about our bodies because us going into a spirit realm uh, sermon series, not liking our bodies is going to be a problem. You're like, what? We'll talk about it through the sermon, but I'm telling you, we're going to need to have a different thought about our bodies when we start talking about the spirit realm. Let's talk a little bit about how we got to this place of not liking our bodies. There is, especially here in West Michigan, Reformed theology is like king theology here. It's like everywhere you go, everybody's Reformed. And even if you're not, you kind of got like reform residue. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad thing. It's just, right, like we just all kind of have it. I, there's this word, this, this terminology called total depravity. How many of us have ever heard that before? Total depravity. Total depravity is this idea that you are completely no good. Minus Jesus, you are completely no good. And there's merit to highlighting the importance of Christ in our life. So I don't want in any way for us to like throw the baby out with the bathwater. Really, the idea of total depravity is that we need Christ, and so that I'm not too prideful of my ability to be good, I'm going to say that we are completely no good without Jesus as a motivator for seeking Jesus. It's not bad. It's not like wrong. It's just immature. It's, and here's why I say that it's immature. 
Because we can see goodness in creation, in humanity, even before people have a relationship with Christ. And some of you are like, oh, wait a minute, Chase. <laughs> but think about it. Like, right, we can, we, can have an, we can have a conversation about this, and we can be mature believers and say that we absolutely need Jesus to have a right relationship with the Father. But any good? Like, are we saying no good without Jesus? Like, you can't ever help your neighbor? <laughs> like, you can't ever raise money for people who are without food? You, like, nothing? I think that's probably a little bit too far. There's a line that gets crossed there. So the reframing is I would like for us to think about it like this. We are Christ righteousness dependent. We are fully dependent upon Christ. Um, can you get that next slide for me? Yeah. You need Christ to embody God's standard of righteousness. Truth. That's, that's where the line would get crossed, right? It's like it, it fully points to our necessity for Jesus. We do. That points to that necessity without crossing that line that you are completely no good. That's an important thing for us to understand because most of the time as believers, we talk about before Christ as just your, it's like you existing and you're in death before Jesus is here. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes and then you have life, which there is truth to. We have abundance and fullness of life in Christ. But it's not like you don't ever get out of bed before Jesus. It's not like you're not impacting and influencing people before Jesus. It's not about whether or not you are experiencing even life. It is that our souls require Christ for the righteousness of God. I want us to um, see this next thing. God made the human body and said that it was good. Period. That's in Genesis. That was before Jesus showed up. <laughs> okay, right? I'm, I don't want to throw away the baby with the bathwater. We need Jesus to understand and fully embody the righteousness of God. But if we're going to even just track along with Scripture, before the New Testament, before Jesus was conceived and or born, was, before he lived and before he died and rose, the Father already said something about the human body, and it was good. And then there's this portion of Scripture in Psalm I want us to kind of take a look at today. Psalm 139. This is David speaking. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. I know that we like to make everything like super spiritual. It's like, he's talking about his spiritual body. Like, nope. Talking about his body, his face, his hands, his arms, his shoulders. He's, he's talking about the intimate knowledge of God, of who we are, holistically speaking. And he's specifically talking about the body right now. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. <laughs> Your workmanship is marvelous. 
how well I know it. For some of us, the idea of even praising God for our bodies is a foreign concept. But have you actually thanked God for your body? Like, that's what David's doing right here. Like, have you, act, like, I'm going to be honest with you. I spent the better part of the, my early adulthood believing that I was fighting with my body. My soul wanted to be with God and my body wanted to do whatever it wanted to do. Like, I remember actually saying, when I pass away, don't spend any money on this body. Like, <laughs> It's, like, it's, like, like, I've been fighting with this body my whole life. Like, y'all have a backyard barbecue. <laughs> I do think that there's value in us not becoming conceited and arrogant about these bodies. This is not my only important thing. But sometimes we can go so extreme that we then begin to diminish the value that Scripture actually speaks to about this body. It's made wonderfully complex. The next verse says, You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Last verse that we're going to look at is, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. We are taught to esteem our soul as the most important thing in our faith and our minds as our, the most important thing in our culture and our emotions as the most important part of our relationships and our bodies, we tend to just cast to the side. And we only say, those of you who are athletic, you care about your bodies. And everybody else, just keep your body in enough shape to not die early. But we don't think that verse, how precious are your thoughts about me, O oh Lord. Many of us look, look in the mirror, make sure that we don't look like we don't care, and then we try hard to not think about our bodies all day long because of what our culture says, but not just because of what our culture says about how my body should look, because of how Christian faith has actually diminished the value of our body. And that's just, it's just too extreme. God cares about your body to the point where David would point out that God intimately saw our bodies being formed knitting together all of the things. Hi. And has precious thoughts about me. I want to look at this Bible term that has, um, has in some ways, we've just misunderstood it. When we see like 
portions of Scripture that talk about the flesh, many times we immediately go to the meat sack that carries my soul. Nope. That isn't what Scripture is talking about when it says flesh. Flesh does not equal body in Scripture. Flesh equals sin-stained instincts. Some people will hear that as sin nature. It is, it is acknowledging the truth that while God did say that the human body is good, when sin entered into the reality of the human existence, it stained that goodness, but does not have the power to take away that goodness. And that's something that we need to make sure we keep in our souls. Are we saying that sin is more powerful than God? Oh, that's kind of what it is when we say that we're no good. If God said that the human body was good, sin absolutely stains it, absolutely corrupts it. I get it. But are we saying that sin has the power to undo something that God did? Uh, I don't think I want to give sin that much power. I'm just being honest. I don't want to. I want to acknowledge that it's stained. I want to acknowledge that it's been corrupted and it's skewed. I want to acknowledge that. And that's why I need Jesus to not put good in. Good's already there. What I need Jesus to do is take sin out. <laughs> My body isn't the problem. Sin is. And when sin is gone, it's not like we get like a new body. It's the one that we have is redeemed back to the goodness that the Father spoke over it from the beginning. That's what it means to have something be redeemed. Many times in our Christian faith, we talk about like this earth is going to burn, and then we're all going to heaven. That is not the Bible. It's not. I'm sorry if many of you were planning on that. <laughs> like, I got my ticket to heaven, and I'm going to bypass the burning. <laughs> That's not what Scripture says about this earth or anything in creation. If you read the end of Revelation... It gets rid of sin. Jesus gets rid of sin. And the new earth described, it's not, it's not actually a different planet. It's not a different body. It's a redeemed one. Redeemed means something was there, something messed it up, and we are returning it back to its good state. Paul talks about us getting new bodies I don't want us to imagine that if you were, if you spent your whole life five foot two and you wanted them four extra inches, I've been just trusting the Lord for in the new earth, I'm going to have longer legs. Nope. Uh, that's not it. <laughs> it is. The shame that you carried about being 5'2", that will be removed. The shame that you carried about not being able to keep that weight off, that will be removed. 
the shame that you carried about your hands not being able to do what you want your hands to do or your legs not being able to do what you want your legs to do or you not being able to figure that out with your brain the way your neighbor or your sister or your brother can or you not being able to dot, dot, dot. The shame connected to that is the thing that's removed. And I know all of us want some kind of superhuman ability when the earth is fully redeemed. And let me tell you now, the superhuman ability is to live minus shame. It's not to be able to fly and harmonize with yourself. Crap. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just revealing, I'm just kind of confessing that's what I was hoping for. This is the ability to just harmonize by myself. No, really is chase your desire to do music by yourself <laughs> will be redeemed and will be removed. Stop being so selfish. <laughs> I want, we have to, it's important that we reframe how we see the bodies that God have, that has created because we will not do well in a series about the spirit realm if we do not relate to these bodies that God has given us well. We just will not. So some more arguments for our bodies being important. God has slash had a human body. Just think about that for a second. I know God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. But the whole reason we're in this room is because we believe God came as a human being, <laughs> died, rose for us, and has given us power over sin, not power over our bodies. <laughs> Jesus... God in human form, that's what that means. God had slash has a body. I use the word has there because he ascended. It's not like he got rid of it. <laughs> it was like, okay, done with this body. You can keep the body. I'm going to go to heaven. <laughs> that's not what happened. We read at the end of the Gospels, like the beginning of Acts, the disciples are just kind of up just watching. <laughs> like, they're like watching as Jesus ascends into heaven. His body didn't just fall lifeless and his soul go up. <laughs> no. God had slash has a body. When in Revelation and Jesus returns, there's writing on his thigh. Some of you haven't read Revelation and that's okay. Like, but there's a moment. Google that. Jesus has writing on his thigh. He's got a body. If God, creator of the universe, values the human body so much that he would pick up one, why do we have such disdain for it? I would actually, if I were answering that question, I would be very dramatic. And I would say, we have disdain for our bodies because Satan has tricked us into believing that they're no good. 
And why would Satan need to trick us into believing that? Because there's something valuable and powerful there that we should, that he wants us to not look at. If there's no biblical reason for us to have disdain for our bodies, why would we have it? Think about it. And think, who's the ones really struggling with their bodies? Like, not just self-esteem issues. The ones who actually think their body is no good and that it's just a meat sack for my soul, that's us, believers. There's not many other people on the planet that don't like their bodies the way we struggle with that. I think it's because we've been deceived into believing that there's something wrong. My last little nugget as an argument, God made the human body the temple for his spirit. If God said that the human body is good, God had slash has a human body and has made the human body the temple for his spirit, my disdain for it is unwarranted. And I have to have some maturity to not only think about this body. This is not the only thing that is. It's not the most important thing that is, but it is an incredibly important part of who I am as a created thing of God. So much so that he himself lives this experience. I want to pray and then uh, we can head out. Whew, Lord, we have already felt different things. Highlight those feelings for us and comfort us in those feelings. Don't take away the tension, but give us a trust in you. A trust in you that says you're in control. Guide me. Yes, Lord, we want our minds to be transformed and renewed. Absolutely. We want our souls to be redeemed and refreshed. We want our emotions to be in alignment with where you are and what you're doing. But Lord, we also want to give you these bodies. We want to do what Paul encouraged for us to submit our bodies as living sacrifices, not just our minds, not just our souls, our emotions, but these bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto you, God, which is our reasonable act of worship. You care about this. And you have also allowed us to be a whole person so that means we can experience you in the fullness of how we love you, mind, soul, strength. Help us trust you. Guide us, Holy Spirit. Lord, where we have decades-long disdain for these bodies, would you redeem that, Holy Spirit? Where we carry traumas 
that have made us distrust our bodies, would you redeem that for us? Would you deliver us, Holy Spirit? And may we experience the redemption of our whole self as we go into talking about what's happening in the Spirit. I don't know any other way to save them. We trust you. Guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.